Welcome to The Radical Therapist. This is your host, Chris Hoff, and we are now at episode number 118. And today we're talking about revolutionary mothering with Lindsay Rexon. It's a great conversation, and I'm excited to bring it to you. But before we get to Lindsay, just a quick plug. Uh, If you happen to be listening in California or you know, have friends, family, whatever in California, please uh, think about California Family Institute. I direct a nonprofit, California Family Institute, which provides low cost, even no cost, individual couple and family therapy. If you know, nobody's turned away, no matter what they can afford. So if you know anybody that could utilize such services, Please send them our way to CaliforniaFamilyInstitute.org. To you can go there to find out more. So, all right, uh, that's my plug for the show, and uh, let's just get right into uh, revolutionary mothering. And so we're going to talk with Lindsay Rexon, and Lindsay is a writer, teacher, sometime artist, and parent. She's an associate professor of English at Haverford College, where she teaches courses on American and African American literature visual studies, performance studies, and prison abolition. She's the author of Realist Realist Ecstasy, Religion, Race, and Performance in American Literature, NYU Press 2020, and the editor of American Literature in Transition, 1876 to 1920, Cambridge University Press. Uh, 2022. Her essays, poems, and reviews have appeared in American Literature, ASAP slash J, the Los Angeles Review of Books, Arizona Quarterly, Keywords for American Cultural Studies, Avidly, Lumina, and elsewhere. With her collaborator, Jack Isaac Pryor, she curates Loving Description, a public arts writing project, and she is the faculty director for, director of the Greater Ford Archive, a community-based effort to document the radical organizing and creative pedagogies of people incarcerated at Greater Ford Prison. So without further ado, let's meet Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the Radical Therapist Podcast. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great. I appreciate you making the time. And uh, I'm excited to talk about revolutionary mothering. We know that psychology, therapy, what have you, has a history of not being kind to mothers. So um, that should be another episode at another time. But um, but let's talk about revolutionary mothering. And I, first of all, I want to say thank you for your contribution to the Encyclopedia of Radical Helping. And that's that's what got me very interested in talking to you. And for those of you, uh, uh, Lindsay did contribute to the Encyclopedia, which will be out next year eventually, and you don't want to miss it. So, uh, But how did you first come across the concept of revolutionary mothering and what about it resonated with you? Yeah, thanks. And thanks for the opportunity to contribute to the encyclopedia. I'm really excited about that project. Um, so I, I would say I was really lucky in that I I was able to witness this in practice before coming across the concept or having a way to name that. Um, first, you know, um, my own parents, while they were not revolutionary by any means, or even, you know, particularly politically active, um, they parented me in a really different way than they were parented. Um, with a lot of respect for me as a whole human being and a lot of compassion. And so, you know, even though I wouldn't call that revolutionary um, in the way that um, I'm thinking about mothering in the piece, um, it was a model for me to for how to um, 
think about what we inherit and what's unsustainable about that and to build something different. Hmm. Um, so I saw that first. And then, um, you know, in graduate school, my my best friend, Sonia Posmentier, who's a, a brilliant uh, scholar of um, Black poetry, she had her, her kids when we were in grad school. Um, and so I watched her you know, have her intellectual life and her political life um, and her life as a parent um, and for all of these lives um, to be deeply related to one another. Um, not that that was easy, but that she, um, you know, these roles were were really, um, you know, deeply related to, to one another. And she built community around those roles um, and, you know, considered all of those different um, forms of work as, as part of her work. And so, um, that was really beautiful for me to witness. Um, and then when I was pregnant with my first kid in 2015, I read um, Adrian Rich's Of Woman Born, which is a, you know, a classic text and really, um, you know, fundamentally sort of disaggregates the potential relationship that women might have to their children from the institution of motherhood mm -hmm. and thinks about how motherhood has been um, a, a political tool for the suppression of women's creative and political and intellectual power. Mm. Um, and so that was really, you know, a, a really important text for me, an important moment for me to start, you know, in my own life, sort of separating out what my practice of mothering or of parenting might look like separate from um, this institution, right, which has been both sentimentalized and radically devalued, especially devalued for women of color. Um, and so um, that was, again, a really important text for me. And then um, in 2016, the volume Revolutionary Mothering, edited by Alexis Pauline Gums mm -hmm. um, and China Martins and Maya Williams came out. Um, and that text went even farther in some ways in the sense that it it um, really aims to queer the the category of mothering and to take out right this um, to sort of disaggregate it from from the category of woman. Um, so Alexis Pauline Gums writes that you know that revolutionary mothering is um, older and also more futuristic than the category of of woman, um, and they connect it to you know these these really deep histories of um, of care. Um, that's linked to a kind of investment in our collective survival, right? Mm -hmm. um, and our collective well-being and the kind of um, the kind of relations we want to build that are political relationships. Um, and so that, again, was another another really important moment for me in terms of being able to um, understand mothering as a political practice. Wow. Um, and then in my own scholarship, which is not about mothering, um, but is, uh, you know, rooted in the post-Reconstruction era in the U.S. and histories um, of race and racial terror. Um, you know, I'm constantly learning from a Black feminist tradition that has um, thought about innovations in kinship and comradeship and care structures that come out of the experience of enslavement, where the severing of kinship ties was a sort of central strategy um, of terror and, de and dehumanization. Um, and so thinking about revolutionary mothering as part of that Black feminist tradition um, of, of innovations in kinship and care um, has been really important to me as well. Yeah, wonderful. Um... And you, you kind of touched on, you kind of just had this journey as you were becoming a mother, right? So I, yeah. I guess I'm, uh, in what ways has revolutionary mother mothering influenced or shaped your parenting approach? Yeah, I mean, I would say 
it means I parent collectively with other people as much as possible, right? Try to resist the ways in which, you know, the nuclear household um, is uh, what uh, Sophie Lewis calls the, the most antisocial institution, right? Like, and I think, you know, especially in some ways um, since the pandemic, it has, um, it has sort of reinforced the ways in which we are, um, we treat the nuclear, many of us treat the nuclear household as um, a, a kind of hermetically sealed unit of, you know, capitalist accumulation and consumption. Um, and so thinking about how, you know, my parenting, my mothering can resist that, how I can think about the care that I give to my children and the recognition of them as complex human beings um, is connected to the care I might want for everyone as a complex human being, right? Can care that I, um, you know, in my work on prison abolition, care that I want for people who are incarcerated as complex human beings, um, you know, care that I want for um, for refugees as complex human beings, right? Like thinking about those practices, um, my, my parenting practices as um, entirely interwoven um, with my political commitments um, has been really important to me. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what I would say. Wonderful. Can you share a specific experience where you felt the need to mother in a revolutionary way or where you started to see it coming, you know, to fruition in your life? Yeah. Um, so I, I write about this a little bit in my piece for, yeah. for the encyclopedia, but very recently, in fact, I, um, I had a very early meeting, um, a 7 a.m. meeting uh, with some collaborators on the inside at a, a prison that's about 45 minutes away from where I live and teach. Um, and uh, early care at daycare starts at 7.30. Um, and my parenting partner was out of town. And so um, I had a, a good friend, um, Jack, my collaborator, Jack Isaac Pryor, who came to my house at 6 a.m. Um, and cared for my children and got them ready um, to go to school. Um, and Jack has this phrase um, that they use called big mom energy. Um, and that's a phrase that's uh, not specific to gender, right? Um, anybody can inhabit a uh, big mom energy. Um, and so it's thinking about, and, and their work quite literally enabled me to do my political work um, in that moment. And so, you know, that's a very concrete example mm. of the way that collective mothering, you know, enables um, uh, us to do political work in a way that I think, you know, um, is really, really central to, to the practice of revolutionary mothering. Um, but there's, you know, there's lots of examples that was their, yeah. their revolutionary mothering <laughs> at work. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's great. Thanks. Um, you kind of mentioned the nu the nuclear family, and I, I guess I'm wondering how do you think uh, revolutionary mothering differs from like more mainstream or dominant parenting ideologies? Yeah, I mean, I think so. One thing I've been thinking about is the way that um, some of the practices that you know I might think are are sort of central to revolutionary mothering, um, which are practices of of care and and sort of you know recognition of children but also right uh, uh other people broadly as as complex human beings um you know it resonates in some ways with what um has emerged as like the gentle parenting movement um which is maybe you know um 
uh, and I'll, I'll confess I haven't sort of read deeply in that, but I've you know absorbed it. And I think one of the things I've noticed about it is um, it it often seems to not recognize the radically different contexts in which many of us parent. And so it seems to be addressed to a very specific audience of well-resourced yeah. uh, parents. Um, and then it it seems to sort of um, stop at the care for one's own children, right? And and to not be connected to a sort of um, broader uh, broader politics. Um, and so, you know, I think uh, it's it's different. Revolutionary mothering, you know, marks itself off as different from um, dominant parenting ideologies, even even the ones that Ray are aimed at cultivating um, deep respect. Um, and compassion, right, for children as as whole human beings, um, it differs because um, it really is invested in in challenging a kind of white patriarchal capitalist social structure, um, and thinks about our our parenting as as entirely aligned with that project. Um, and so, um, and so, you know, even though I right co-sign a lot of the strategies used by used by gentle parenting um, and have learned from them. Um, I, I think it's, you know, I think we have to connect that to political struggle. Right. Um, you know, I meet with a lot of mothers I have over the years. Right. And I'm, I guess I'm wondering, how, and this often comes up, right. I'm, I'm wondering how you manage the challenges of mothering against societal norms and expectations. And I, I don't know who receives more of that than mothers really in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, uh. yeah, I mean, I think, uh, it's, it's really powerful. It's been really powerful for me to, um, name and I, you know, uh, I do this like through the through the work of of the people I'm reading. So through um, folks like Alexis Pongums, through Angela Garbs, through right um, a number a number of people. But um, to name the ways in which the system sets us up to fail, I think that's really um, really critical. So um, when I'm when I'm feeling like I'm you know not not living up to those norms, it's helpful for me to remember that. Um, this is this is not actually an institution that I want to <laughs> reproduce, <laughs> um, and um, and so that's helpful. And then simply or not simply, but um, really meaningfully, being in community with other um, people who are trying to parent in this way, trying to mother um, in this way, has has um, been absolutely essential, right? To um, my sort of individual mental health as a mother, but also right to thinking about how um, we can work together to sort of change change these systems and advocate um, for um, different different structures of kinship and different social social structures um, for raising our kids. Yeah, you may kind of mentioned this already. But what what support systems do you rely on to sustain your practice of revolutionary mothering? Yeah. Um, so also in in the piece I write about. Um, my sacred Zoom room, <laughs> which was a, a yeah. and and now text thread, right? Which is a um, a group of of people of women that I um, am in, you know, friendship and intellectual comradeship and political comradeship with. Um, and so, you know, having I think having that community of people who are um, deep in the in the work of mothering and of parenting, um, but also deep in the political work of trying to make change um, is is really, you know, has been really crucial um, for me. And, you know, sustaining those ties across distance, we're not all in the same places. Um, but, 
you know, having having people with whom we, you know, we can talk about um, both the sort of really messy details of what it's like to be a caregiver, you know, for children, but also at this point for parents, for um, other family members, for friends, right? Um, but then also, right, just the details of how we conduct our intellectual and political lives and creative lives. Um, I take so much inspiration um, from these women. Um, I learn from um, how they do it, and we support each other in that work um, in both concrete and emotional ways. Yeah, wonderful. Um, you have mentioned several times that revolutionary mothering is a political act, right? Um, yeah. And I'm wondering, um, how do you believe revolutionary mothering contributes to the broader social political change or broader and social political change? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I sort of, I think it's at the core of everything. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that, um, so in the, in the volume revolutionary mothering, the, the first essay that they reprint is, um, June Jordan's The Creative Spirit from 1977, um, which is, uh, really, it's a, it's a talk and then an essay about, um, children's literature, but it's really about the political power of love. Um, and she writes that, like, because we have inherited such unsustainable structures, um, it's, it's going to take a total revolution of our social structure to, um, to collectively survive. Um, and she says, we have to, um, we're going to have to deal with power. We're going to have to make love powerful and we're going to have to empower the people we love. And so I think about those three things, right? Dealing with power, um, uh, making love powerful and empowering the people we love as at the center of that project. And if you think about that, then the, the sort of the care we invest um, in children is not separate again from these other sort of political projects of um, of you know investing in um, the care of of human beings broadly. Mm -hmm. um, and I think about you know also I think if we think about the the deep ways in which um, the family structure in the U.S. has been shaped by a kind of white heteropatriarchal system that's invested in maintaining property, right? right? It's been a way that property has been reproduced in the US. And so if we if we recognize that, we can recognize the ways in which um, you know, family separation at the border or the caging of human beings in prisons are also techniques of, of family separation um, and ways of maintaining um a a social order based in right, white supremacy and capitalism. Um, and so we don't sort of need revolutionary mothering necessarily to make a critique of the border, but it helps us to make these deep historical connections um, and to then recognize that my practices of mothering are not separate, right, from these larger political structures, even, you know, as a white cis woman parenting from enormously privileged conditions, right? That like, that my my parenting has to be deeply related to these other projects because our, our fates are interrelated, um, I think has been really central. And I think, you know, it is it is about changing the whole structure of our society. And, and um, we can do that in our most intimate relationships, the smallest sort of interactions, mm -hmm with children can be revolutionary and they're connected to these larger, these larger structures. Yeah, that's one absolutely connected. And I, 
I was thinking about that, that it, 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 revolutionary mothering isn't just a critique at all. It's, it's actually goes beyond the critique and provides, um, I don't know if solution is the right word, but um, it does compose something, which is really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I think that it's it's not just that in our relationships with children, we're modeling relationships of of care and compassion and and sort of the ways in which we might revolutionize society we're actually enacting it yeah. um and i think that's really critical right okay so you've mentioned the volume revolutionary mothering love on the front lines are there any specific story other specific stories or lessons from that that have in deeply influenced your approach to parenting yeah i mean i i mentioned that june jordan essay i can't i can't sort of tell you how how powerful that piece has been i teach that piece oh, um yeah. i i cite it a lot simply because um i think it really uh recognizes the the tremendous power and responsibility um that comes with the way we um interact with and care for children um, and that this is truly a site where um, a kind of radical potential um, for restructuring our relationships to one another as a society is embedded. Um, and so that that revolutionary power of love that Jordan articulates and that, you know, is is part of a, a broader tradition. We might think about Bell Hooks and Joy James and others who are who are articulating this. But um, but that is is both a through line through the volume um, and something that's been really, really important to me. Um, and then that Alexis Pauline Gums um, line that I cited, right, about the the cat, you know, the the practice of revolutionary mothering being um, both uh, older and more futuristic than the category of woman, I think is also really important for us to remember that um, that this is a practice that is also resistant to um, gender regimes um, and um, helps us to build worlds beyond them, um, is I think really beautiful too. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And what ways do you try to foster a sense of community or solidarity with other mothers? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I have been the recipient of so much, um, care and like lateral horizontal mothering, <laughs> <laughs> um, in lots of ways. So I think, you know, I, I mentioned, um, the Zoom room and the text thread, right? These these like really fundamental ways um, of caring for and being cared for um, by others and having, you know, um, uh, intellectual and creative um, compatriots, right? In this in this project, um, has I think been so valuable. Like they they give me my reading lists and they give me my <laughs> my um, strategies, right? For talking to my kids and they. Um, they give me, you know, enormous friendship in this project. It just, it simply wouldn't be possible um, without those people. And so um, that's been, and they give me, yeah, models for how to, how to do the work. Um, and so that's been really critical for me. Great. Uh, this is probably important. What advice would you give to new mothers who are looking to approach mothering in a revolutionary and transformative way? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm I'm always a little uh like advice is a kind of I, I know, I I know. <laughs> it's it's uh it's hard to give, it's hard to receive. Um yeah. but I mean, you know, certainly like building a community um is I think the the central advice. I mean, just being um, you know, being part of um a community that shares your your political commitments um and your intellectual curiosities. Um 
is is really essential. Um, I think, you know, if I could think about the advice that I wish I had been given, it would be to sort of throw out the the sleep training books um, <laughs> and or the sleep advice books broadly, um, and to you know, and to read Angela Garbs's Essential Labor and to read uh, Bell Hooks and to read June Jordan, right? Um, and to sort of um, you know surround myself with communities invested in radical change and in in naming the ways that. Um, that the institution of motherhood has done all of us uh, a disservice um, and to thinking about, you know, how we can enact alternative practices. Hmm. That's great. Um, I don't even know. I don't know of any critiques or misunderstandings, but I do have a question about how do you address critiques or misunderstandings that may, that may re um, arise regarding revolutionary mothering? I'm yeah. I mean, I think so. I, my sense is that if I can imagine a critique, it's right that that um, it's the same critique that uh, that we get of um, of curricula in schools, right? The the sort of politicization um, of of young people, um, and I would, you know, I would mm -hmm. simply counter that with um, with the ways in which this this practice right cultivates um, curiosity. Um, and the sort of um, the and and I think about this in relationship to something like um, prison abolition, you know, against which there are pretty you know strong strong critiques, um, even from you know folks within my closest circles. And the way I think about this is um, is to you know lead with curiosity in the face of critique, right? Like what are the what are the worlds that we could build if we enacted revolutionary parenting in the same ways that what are the worlds we could build? if we abolish the carceral system, um, how could we, you know, think differently about our, about our social structure? Um, so that's sort of how I always try to come at, at critiques is, is through questioning and curiosity, um, and inviting that. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's at the core of what we're trying to help our children do, right, is to come to the world, um, with, with curiosity about how it might be different, right, how it might be more sustainable and survivable, um, for all of us. Um, and yeah, I don't know if that's a great answer, but no, that's, I, that's where I am. <laughs> yeah. And you had me thinking about, you know, this idea that there is a, that critique about politicizing children in some ways, but, but that has this idea behind it that, well, everything's political, even the, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sounds like, <laughs> right. Um, right. Uh, yeah. the, the critique is very interesting, but anyway. Uh, okay. So how, how can institutions, I know this is revolutionary mothering is a counter to a lot of the institution of mothering, but how can institutions or communities better support mothers who are choosing to parent in radical or non-traditional ways? Yeah. I mean, I think this, um, again, this goes to the interconnection between revolutionary mothering and political struggle more broadly, right? Things like a universal basic income, <laughs> universal health care, all of these things that would serve all of us um, as as a society um, would would serve and support people who are um, engaged in the work of mothering and thinking about mothering um, and care work broadly as a collectively shared social responsibility um, is is, you know, is the world that we would want to imagine, right? And would be um, a way to support the people um, doing that, uh, doing that work. Um, you know, in um, in essential labor, Angela Garbs right points out that that 
care work is unpaid labor that sustains the entire economy, right? So recognizing the ways in which that work sustains our entire economy um, and building in, you know, sustain sustainable structures of support for that work, right. um, like universal basic income, you know, would be huge. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my, my last question, and this is a question I like to ask all my guests. So, uh, you know, what, Lindsay, what books or ideas, thinkers, films, et cetera, what's capturing your attention these days? Yeah, I love this question. Um, so I've been reading um, the poet and scholar Jackie Wang, um, both her her book, um, Carceral Capitalism, um, which is, you know, a beautiful meditation and really ends um, by thinking about what the role of poetry might be in helping us imagine and build worlds but beyond the carceral state. Um, so I've been recommending that book to everybody. I love it very much. Um, I've also been reading her, her poetry. Um, and then... Um, I've been reading um, Sophie Lewis's Abolish the Family, which was recommended by my good friend, Laura Copeland. Um, and that's a, a really, um, you know, uh, purposefully polemical book about, um, about again, the way that uh, the sort of uh, white patriarchal um, capitalist family structure um, has really organized um, the way we think about family and kinship. Um, in the U.S. And so she argues that um, we need to, you know, even as we think about alternative kinship structures, um, we need to actually just abolish this as a as a structure, but as a metaphor also, right? We, we could find better metaphors for how to think about our relationships to, to one another that might be mm. something like comradeship um, rather than kin kinship. Um, so it's also just like a fun book to leave around your house and let your family see um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and react to. Yeah. Um, and then um, on the advice of my uh, friend and colleague, Asali Solomon, who's an incredible novelist herself, I want everybody to read her novel, The Days of Afrikiti. Um, mm. She recommended um, uh, reading the entire catalog of Louise Erdrich. And so I've been doing mm. that and starting um, with her most recent novel, The Sentence, which um, is uh, an incredible novel about many things, but about caregiving, among mm. other things. Um, and um, caregiving in the context of, of COVID-19, um, but also um, takes in, you know, the, the political uprisings in the summer of 2020 and, and um, many other threads um, and is just a really incredible um, piece, of, piece of work. So I've been recommending that to everyone too. Wonderful. Great selection. Thank you. Um, it, it, one final question. If people want to reach out to you or find you, how, how do people find you? Yeah, so um, I teach in the English department um, at Haverford College, so you can find me uh, via their website, hmm. um, and I think that's that's the best way. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, and I'll provide a link just in the show notes for everybody uh, Great, if you, you. want to if you have any questions for Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay, thank you very much for spending the time. This has been wonderful. Thank you. It's been wonderful to talk to you, Chris. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. That's our show. And as always, thanks for listening. And you can uh, connect with the Radical Therapist podcast on Instagram at the Radical Therapist or on Facebook. We do have a Radical Therapist Facebook page. And of course, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me 
at theradicaltherapist at gmail.com. And please, if you could, rate and review the show wherever you're listening. Um, that's how we get out in front of people. Or, you know, send a link to somebody. Tell them they need to listen to this podcast. That would be much appreciated. So, uh, so as always, I'm Dr. Chris Hoff. Thanks for listening. Peace.